Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Tuesday's episode of a Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I am joined by Tony Anderson. Hi Craig. And my old OG, Alan Temple, co-founder. Hi Craig, how are we? I'm good. You like that wee introduction? I did, uh, although the pause was slightly unnerving I didn't know whether you were waiting for me to pop in or whether or not that was... Uh, <laughs> that was just my, u- it's my usual pause to think of words. Yeah, yeah, this is. I think this is the first time I've done a podcast in person for the best part of two years, so it's, um, it's nice to see you in non-pixelated form. Although, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's intense, I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> Real intense. I didn't realise I had an intense face. <laughs> yeah, you do. What an intense demeanour sometimes. It's just, right. uh, it's just the clarity. It does you no favours, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're you're, you're, you're big and brash. It's true. <laughs> you're big and brash, Craig. You're like me. You can be just. You're just loud. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Certainly loud. Um, especially once I've had a, a couple of uh, beverages couple in me. Of, yeah. <laughs> Seen that less and less recently. We'll get back soon. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of already back, really, to be honest. I was at uh, hospitality on, on Saturday there for the Hearts at Mirren game. Uh, took my wife for a wedding anniversary, because oh, yeah, like, like all good husbands <laughs> do. I heard, I heard this, actually. I was, at, um, I was at the pub on Friday with mutual friends, and Ariane went to that mutual friend's wife's house. Uh, with that, and then she told him, Oh, that's our anniversary, and we're going to the Hearts game. And when it was my birthday, we went to the Manchester Derby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like football. <laughs> but she's been like, So, like, when I get like, the hospitality to Ibrox, like, Ariad's always kind of on me, like, Oh, can you get me to go again? Can I get to go again? Can I get to go again? It's like, Nikki's kind of very, my uncle Nikki's very much kind of for the lads Ooh. kind of thing with this kind of stuff. <laughs> Shock. Right. <laughs> So it's like I keep saying that to her, but she keeps moaning about it. And it's like there's nothing really I can do about it uh, other than be really kind of like ungrateful that Nikki's given me this. Like why, oh, why you give me this? Give it to my wife instead, kind of thing. No, not going to do that. <laughs> so then I take her to hospitality, and it's like she's like, oh, like slagging me off to everybody. Like oh, just take me to hospitality. Like what do you want? Do you <laughs> want opportunity to slag you off? <laughs> Probably raging that uh, rages at three hours before the game in Hearts was just two. Maybe that's what she was upset about. She wants to get dressed up. I should still do that, regardless of what time you turn up before the game. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we should probably talk about the matches. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the four Scottish Cup games. So we'll begin with the game of the weekend, I think it has to be said. The, the match at Tidecastle, Hearts beating St Mirren 4-2 to pick their place in the Scottish Cup semi-final where they'll meet Hibs. Uh, we'll get to that a little maybe later on yeah. when we talk about the semi-final draw. My Hearts fans bothered about that. Because I just wanted... like Cheering with glee. I just wanted to not have to worry about a match for four weeks. <laughs> uh, but we've got a derby before it now that now nobody gives a shit about. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm now hoping we rest all no, our players no, yeah. for. And kick fuck out the hips player, I'm imagining. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> the ideal. Yeah. <laughs> bonuses to all these young players. <laughs> yeah. You get a grand bonus if you can injure a hips player. <laughs> Mackenzie Kirk becomes an immediate fan's favourite. <laughs> yeah. You'd to, love to make a name for yourself that way. Is, uh, is Elias Melkerson's nose is split in two. <laughs> Ah, yeah, right. Saturday's game, Hearts defeat St Mirren 4-2. Hearts went into a two-goal lead in the first half. Eamon Brophy pulled one back. Conor Ronan then equalised with a, frankly, ridiculously mm. good goal. And then Hearts managed to, to managed to bounce back from that. Aaron McInef came off the bench, scored, got an assist for the fourth as well. And I think, Alan, it's fair to say this was a good old-fashioned cup tie. Oh, that's... Uh, you try to dig me. I'll dig you out of that cliche hole, shall I? <laughs> It's an interesting one with Hearts because the second time in a row, actually, that I've watched Hearts and thought they're completely dominant in a game and somehow think they're going to throw this away. Like Dundee United, so dominant for the vast majority of the time at Tannadice and somehow contrived to let Dundee United back into the game. Then against St Mirren, you're looking at that when they go into a two goal and you're thinking, that's, you know, this, this could be anything. And fair play to St Mirren for bringing it back. But it's a strange quirk about the Hearts at the moment. But... It's the, the better team won it, and here's here's a question before you get into the, the deep analysis of the match. Since Ronan has been linked to Hearts, it's kind of links the two clubs. How good is he? Because you make guys that have got a more kind of uh, thorough spread of, of Scottish football than, than I maybe do, and is he, all, all I see is when he scores screamers. Is he, so is he like, is he a, genuinely a great prospect, or is he like a, a Stevie Marlin for the TikTok generation. <laughs> so, I, what a great question. See that Hearts are apparently after him. Uh, I, I have now got a slightly biased opinion. So I'll go to Tony because I know that Tony is a big fan of Conor Ronan. Yeah, well, we done a Patreon recently where we done the McBurnian decks, and uh, I was I picked Conor Ronan for mine, and mm. he was about four, and I had him at forty million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's twice the player of Ollie McBurney, so it makes sense. Yeah, but even if you, even if you just go into the the stats, Ronan's stats become much better than I thought when I first. He's like he's like one of the one of the top goal scoring midfielders in the league. He has some of the most progressive passes in the league. He's near the top for the assists, and then and lots of the underlying stats. He was also really really high for, and he's played. Um, I think recoveries in the last third as well, which shows that he's really really good at pressing, and he's. Well, he's been at St Mirren, he's been used in a few positions, he's played that sort of deeper role, which might get you why, because he, he's able to pick up the ball, drive and make passes, and then playing in, especially towards the end of Goodwin's time, he, they really found a home playing in the pure number 10 with Kilty and Jones sort mm. of flanking him, and they were all quite narrow. And it doesn't really matter where he's played, he's been able to have sort of like a real effect on the game, and he's getting better and better and better, I would and say. He stands out as well for me because he just, knows how to play football, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, without going into really his kind of main attributes, he just seems to know what to do on the park. Decision-making's very yes, high. he makes the right mm. moves. He doesn't do anything really daft. He, he consistently plays well. He's a very good player. I was like, I've even had some men fans over the weekend saying, like, he's far too good for some men. Yeah. And uh, they, they think they'd even be lucky for Hearts and Aberdeen to give him. Some men fans think he's of a higher level than playing for a Scottish Premiership team that's not Celtic or Rangers. Thank you for your thorough answer to that question. There we go. Uh, but to get into your question, well, you're not your question, but to get into your thoughts about the Hearts defence, I do think there is a bit of an issue at the moment. Well, the, the, there's certainly, I think, they're a wee bit more open in the 4-4-2 now, but the 4-4-2 makes sense because it gets the best out of two of the best players at the club, Boyce and, and Sims. When they try to play the 4-3, sorry, 3-4-3, three, three, with them too, Boyce was having to be on one of the wings and he wasn't anywhere near as effective. He could have had a really poor stretch when Sims first came into the side. And so it gets the best at the attack, but the defence maybe isn't quite as well protected. But another problem as well is that they're pretty much missing their f- best two fullbacks because Stephen Kingsley is playing in the centre. Well, I suppose you don't have to play him in the centre. You could play Sibic instead, but I can understand why you'd have Halliday and uh, Kingsley and Halliday did overall I think play quite well against him but you can, you can see that he sold the jerseys for the, for the first goal is there a hint of a foul? yes but should he be making that decision in that area with the scoreline what it was at the time? no he shouldn't he shouldn't be going in for that he should just be standing back making sure that he can clear his lines and then go from there but there's definitely Atkinson's good going forward I think we can see that already but defensively there is a bit to be desired there there's still a bit to be desired from Halliday defensively if you had Kingsley there so then you, before, you would have Suter in the centre with Halkett and Mikey Smith at, at right back. That's the strongest Hearts defensive you're playing in a four, and that's kind of. I'm just going to. I'm just going to say everything about Hearts now. Look, look forward to the semi final. If they can get that team in place for the semi final, I'll yeah. be a lot more confident and about it, things. It gives 
the heart's much more balanced when, when they have it like that because Michael Smith's so comfortable in coming in and making it a three. So if Kingsley wants to go forward, if either of the fullback wants to go, they can all just shuffle around and they can stay much stay solid. I wonder, I was expecting Hearts to change back to a 3-4-3 three, three once they went up. And I was both... And you get that one where you're impressed because it looks like Nielsen maybe wants to go for the jugular more, which is something he's always been, always been told that he's, he doesn't do. Yeah. And But and it's also a bit like naive, especially if it goes wrong, then he, the, the, the knives can come and say, you know, we've got this flexible team. We've done the job with the four and we're having more attacking. Why don't we go to a formation which we've shown is we're more solid in that? But I think fair play him. He's got room to manoeuvre now, Nielsen, because of what he's done in the league. So why not try and get the, the naysayers on side a bit by being a bit more expansive? Not that I'm sure he doesn't really care about him that much, but he's already been sacked before by these naysayers. So, <laughs> uh, he left, he didn't sack. Yeah, you bet. Well, the planes are coming over. <laughs> he, was, he was chased out the door a wee bit. Yeah, so like, I imagine there is a bit of that. And plus, why not try and develop as a team when you've, you've obviously you've already got things kind of locked down in terms of third place? Touching on what you were saying about getting the best out of Liam Boyce again. I think that's so vital. I cannot overstate just how impressive a player I think Liam Boyce is. I realise that I don't think there's anyone that doesn't think Liam Boyce is a good footballer, but mm-hmm. I, I, th- I don't think there's an appreciation of just what a good player he is and just um, how intelligent a footballer he is. See, the, the way he drops in and finds pockets of spaces, holds the ball, turns, finds... He's just... He's always in the right spot. He's always very rarely gives away a stray pass. If you get him in the box, he will hit the target as well. He's got he's got a wee bit of everything. He's a you know a, a complete forward. Mm, and he's the most rounded striker yeah, outside. Absolutely is so well rounded. He can do a bit of everything, which means Robbie Nielsen, you know, if he needs to play him out wide, you won't get the best out of him, but it says everything that he can do a job because he's got no attributes for a, a wide player in theory. But <laughs> yeah. he's but he is so talented and so um good at so intelligent that he can do that. And Play him as number 10, play him as number 9. Like, really, I think Hearts have won a watch in getting him back up mm. the road. He's a yeah. really, really good player. And also with the age he's at now, you would imagine he's, he's probably here to stay in terms of, from a Hearts perspective, which is really good because his game isn't based around explosive mm. pace yeah, or anything. He's got, he's, got, he's got, as I've said before many times this podcast, he's got an old man's game. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's somebody that for all you'll have your exciting winger signings and your exciting number nines that come in, I think there should always be a place for Liam Boyce in that team because I think when he's on it, it can make a whole team tick. And it's not me, I think it's re- Sims is a really, really good foil. Yes, because he, he stretches and runs the channels. Uh, and he's strong. And, and he can and finish he, as well. Aggressive and he's greedy. The, I, well, I was going to say there'd be a perfect partnership if Sims ever passed the boys. <laughs> so I think that blame because I always thought before Sims arrived, there was an argument that there was a bit of for coat no knickers with some of the Hearts attackers. They looked quite good on the eye, but there wasn't a lot. Sometimes there, there was a lack of goals and there was a lack of numbers, if you like. But Sims. It looks very focused on numbers. That seems to be his number one, and that's maybe not a bad thing when you, it, it adds to the blend of of the Hearts forward line. Yes, is there anything else to to kind of say for this game? I, I love the way Haring and Beringby. That's clearly been worked on because these are guys who would never really ever go into the box. And it's clearly <laughs> clearly been worked on. They're getting, they're getting, when when they're playing the four at the back, they probably feel like they've got a bit more protection. Allowing one of them to go, and that worked a treat with them with them breaking through the lines. Haring especially looked really at home doing it, and I think it's maybe something he did before his injury. Mm-hmm. But I've not really seen that. He, he became such a defensive midfielder. I don't know if he was playing within himself or just basically doing what he's been told. But letting him off the leash there with a, he's quite a powerful runner. Yes, yeah, and um, it, it worked really, really well. Well, Nielsen did say quite recently that he felt like the, the midfield too, and it was more kind of I think it was more kind of talking about Devlin and Benny at the time, but. He was saying that they kind of were playing a bit too flat mm. in, in terms of they were both just kind of sitting. And he, even though none of them are really any good as attackers, really, let's put it that way, they, he still wants one of them to go up and support the attack just in our body. We've seen that Devlin... Devlin's, Devlin does that. He's willing to do yeah, it, but he really lacks the quality when he gets yes, in that area. Uh, you can always see, he always gets a nosebleed in that area. Mm. And Haran kind of, Haran's less afraid of the kind of those moments, but just doesn't kind of have the technique to, mm-hmm. to score very often or, or to kind of assist very often, although he's, he's great at kind of the cross-field passes. But I think them were just being a little bit too kind of flat and just just kind of staying in their areas and just kind of focusing. And instead, and also that when you do that as well, you kind of 
you lose a bit of the dynamism and you lose a bit of the midfield battle as a result. But I thought this game was a perfect example of them getting up and down the pitch and being more proactive and then can therefore helping Hearts to, to kind of dominate a lot of the game. And I suppose with power and Gogic being there, they've got less to worry about in an attacking oh, yeah, sense. Um, so that there was maybe a little that's, that's, bit... That's definitely fairly sick. <laughs> so, um, so they've got less, but... Um, to go on to St Mirren briefly, we were just we done a pod last week when we were discussing Stephen Robinson saying that he was going he, he tried to do it basically Goodwin's way. So now he's going back, now he's gonna make the changes he's gonna do. But actually what he'd done last week is he'd made the changes, it was a three at the back, and now he went back to the exact team that they played the Goodwin sort of last four or five games. So what did he talking it's, about? It must be it must be kind of like or it will be. It'll be little changes within Such the. Yeah. Within but the just when he comes out and talks like that, this is how you, you'll be. The, the fans will get, as I said, it just all becomes a bit skewed. There was a bit of positives and negatives about St. Mirren because the positives were that they looked a lot better as an attacking threat than mm-hmm. they have at any other game under Robinson's tenure so far. Um, it's great to get Brophy back uh, scoring what as well. What goal that was, that as well. Yeah, n- very nice finish. Um, obviously not the, not the best goal for the game. Uh, Connor yeah. Rhodes' goal. Not really talk about it. I was behind it. As soon as it left his foot, you're like, oh, Jesus. And it wasn't quite... I didn't quite realise the kind of angle until I saw the, the broadcast showing of it. That it was like, why is he even shooting for there? That is wild. Uh, but, it, like, you look at the TV angle and it looks like you maybe blame Gordon, but I'd, I haven't watched it the game. I didn't think for a second that Gordon was at fault at all. No, I just think he noticed it, like Rodin's got the ability to quickly notice where Gordon's position, rather than it being Gordon's fault, just that he's he's over there because the ball was over there when it was getting cleared. Uh, and it moves so much in the air as well. And then Ronan picks out because he's got a such high standard with shooting as he needs one second to assess where the goalkeeper is and then suddenly you're you're producing that. But the, the negative for Simon was that defensively they looked really bad. Like in Simon, yeah. you can't really say that about Simon. Um, but the, well, the Shopkins is a really really good centre half. Because because Hart scored four and Hart's had a couple of other mm. really good chances that they could have finished as well. So I mean, this could have been six for the home side, and that's a bit of a concern. But to be fair, I suppose throughout the other games in his tenure, they've looked not bad defensively. So if they can if they can keep the attacking. They're attacking strength for this weekend for Dundee United they're playing mm. and just kind of tighten things up at the back. Also because they're playing Dundee United as well as we'll get on to Dundee United have with Tony Watt out injured. He might be back for the weekend but if he's not they have fuck all in attack. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. they should be able to sort that out and they should be able to get their, their second victory under them. Just for a bit of fluidity at St Marin, there looks so much like it could work with Tate and Tanzer getting forward mm-hmm. with Gogic's ability to maybe drop back in Dunn can play sort of left back left centre half it, to me it looks like with a bit of fluidity working on the training ground you could get your best your quality players more in the last third and Tate and Tanzer are those players what I was going to say is the, the, the only kind of time that I saw uh, Jim Goodwin's uh, St Mirren side sort of in the flesh up close was when they played Kelly Hearts and I'm acutely aware that that's a very different challenge but regardless of the opposition when you're looking at movement and you're looking at overlaps and you're looking at people cutting inside and just that general um, cycling of positioning amongst the players, that's the same regardless of the opposition. That's that's players doing what they've been told mm-hmm. to do in training, and it was so impressive. You know, it really was. And I, I thought to myself, you know, that's a that's a side that's really well coached. There, those patterns don't just happen. That's you're stepping in there, that pass goes there, that ball goes in there. You know, it's really really good stuff and. That would be the alarming thing for me, as St Mirren seem to be in a stage now where they're almost deciding, are we going to try and play some good attacking stuff, or are we going to be able to defend? Which, um, Goodwin had a balance of both, and Stephen Robinson seems to be unable to get one without the other just at the moment. Right, let's move on to the next game, but before we do, there are these messages. Spring has sprung, and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants. That's right, it's Craig Fowler here again to talk about below-the-waist men's grooming. It's time to clear out that winter bush and join the other 4 million men who trust Manscaped. Use the code TERRACE to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. I know a lot of you guys who listen to this are always like, Fowler, we don't want to hear you go on about your balls again, but let's be real, guys. Nobody likes there to be just a lot of mess down there. It's 2022, we're expected to be nice and trim and looking good, and there's no reason not to be, especially when you use Manscaped. They've got everything you could want to feel nice and fresh in their Performance Package 4.0. In this little care bundle, you get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, you get the Weed Whacker, which attacks ear and nose hair, you get the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, 
the performance boxer briefs and they throw in a travel bag to keep it all together. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer has been described by Manscaped as a pube assassin and how can you argue with that? But let's not sleep on the weed whacker because, I mean, let's face it, regardless, even if even if you're like, yeah, don't, I'm, yeah, don't need, I don't want to hear about down there, but you want the weed whacker because nobody wants to have protruding hairs coming out of your nose and ears. Nobody finds that attractive. And as I have said several times before, I am a big fan of the performance boxer briefs. So, get 20% off and free shipping with the code TERRACE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TERRACE at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Right, let's go to Fur Park, where Hibbs defeated Motherwell to get make it to the semi-finals again! The third season in a row that Hibbs have been to the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. The team that never lose cup games unless they're at Hamden. Yeah, it's... Something you just wonder, is there any chance one of these teams could just beat us? It's like a settled little season where you don't shit your fucking bed on live te- telly. The, the wild thing is that Cole Rangers probably came the closest to yeah. doing it. If Mitch Megason finishes with that chance of that game at Easter Road, I'm not sure Hibs come back for that. And I was really thought that with Cove, when that happened, we got away with it. And then we are both, I thought it was prime just because the whole, your favourite argument in the world, the laws of averages. Um, <laughs> that the, t- the team top of the championship who are flying... Hibs looked prime to, to lose that anyway. And again, it was probably our turn to take to take a bloody nose from a lower league team, but it just it just doesn't happen. It'll just happen in front of everyone and in, in a much bigger game. <laughs> <laughs> much more memorably. It has to be said that Hibs were helped out in the very first minute of the match by Bevis Mugabe losing the run of himself. I mean that's Graham Alexander getting you pumped up right there. Yeah. Or it's, maybe it's the maybe it's the Motherwell boys that visited training just got them too hyped. All that pyro and all that noise just got them too hyped for the big day. And it was good for I mean, like looking at even going back to to Tynecastle, watching the videos of the St Mirren fans going, it just it's it's pop one of the, the third round of the Scottish Cup and then the quarterfinals, the last ones when they're still away fans and stuff. They're always there's just such memorable days in this. They didn't, didn't this, this weekend didn't disappoint, especially take with the old firm where they got really quite. Sort of well-known results simply mm-hmm. done those two games really stood up there and that was with Hibs and Motherwell playing where you thought well Hibs barely scored any goals Motherwell can't win so the game expectation was for it to be rubbish but Mugabe just made sure right away that everyone was rewarded for coming along to that game <laughs> with with Mugabe do you think that's just a case of a player thinking anything they do in the first 10 minutes is a free hit <laughs> yeah. because how often like even when I saw that happen you're going right I mean it's evidently a red card offence mm-hmm. however the shock in the commentator's voice and even the kind of shock that I felt it was you know evident and the only reason for that is because it's so early and you do wonder whether players think that themselves they think you know what I'll probably get a free one in the first 15 so as long as it's not too bad oh, let's hit it well like basically what Jordan Roberts got six yeah, minutes later exactly exactly like, uh, I was speaking to Gordon Duncan uh, yesterday um, uh, from uh, Clyde Super Scoreboard and uh, Motherwell fan I, th- I think it is but he says that uh, that <laughs> he says that it was a red card but they were probably unlucky and it was the only ref in Scotland who would have given a red card in the first minute. Yeah, very true. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you need to have a referee that's going, well, we're in at the deep end here, boys. Willie Collum is never afraid to make himself a centre of attention. Yeah. And he was, and he started, the cards were coming out sharp in that first 10 minutes. I was like, this is going to get so out of hand. I can't believe Hibs finished with, with 11 men. I was fully expecting more red cards. Because, yeah, Motherwell wanted the red card for Jasper in the second half, but he didn't, like, it wasn't much of a foul. I, could, I thought initially that he'd maybe fallen on the ball and grabbed it, and I thought, oh, he's definitely going to have one there. But uh, we, thankfully, the games, games on BBC are always good because iPlayer's about two minutes behind the action. So you can always just quickly open your laptop, go to BBC iPlayer, and then wait another 1 minute 30 seconds for it to come and I could see that he didn't really do anything Jasper it was a foul but it was nothing mm. more than that uh, he'd already had to, absolutely I loved his dive it's yeah. so bad so bad <laughs> really got ahead of himself after he two assists I yeah. am proper European football now no, no one's missing Martin Boyle now but Hibs were Hibs ended up victorious. I mean, because yeah, Motherwell went into ten men. But Hibs, the problem with Hibs recently has been scoring goals and playing away to Motherwell. There's no, 
I mean, I don't think a lot of Hibs fans would have been standing in the way and, uh, like, in the first 10 minutes going, oh, we're definitely going to win this game now. Mm. Uh, you would have been a lot more confident, but you still would have known the... Everyone was absolutely hammered in their way in, so... <laughs> 4,000 folk in there, and uh, as you can see by what was the remnants left behind, people were drinking heavily. <laughs> but the, the fans would have been aware of the limitations of the team recently. Yeah. They've been struggling to score goals, been struggling to really have any sort of zest and... Gusto in the final third, and that was all really brought by two players, uh, Sylvester Jasper, who we've already mentioned, and of course, Elias, oh, the Hoff, Melkerson. Listen, wow, just what a dreamboat as well. Hey? Got the, with the hairdo, he looks uh, 19 years old. That's good, the 20 year old and a 19 year old, that gets everyone so excited. And the, after what, remember, we spoke, I'd done the, the top five signings, and we spoke about Melkerson at that, and it was that video got me excited because even though you shouldn't get excited by a YouTube video, of course. But you did because it was the variation in his goals. He just looked like such a goal scorer. And you saw that there, the header. I'm not even sure the cross was even meant for him. It was hit with such pace. I thought maybe for right at the back post. But he just gets it's, across it's the It's the exact run that Hibs have been needing their strikers to do yeah. all season. No, one, no one's been willing to do it. Like Even even Chris Cadden is putting balls at I know we talk about Chris Cadden never looking up. But he puts some balls like that. He hammers them. And Melkerson's obviously been watching because he just goes right across, flashes a header in. And then that second goal is really high quality. Really oh, high brilliant. quality. It's, it's, like, it's one of those ones that watching it back on the telly, it didn't... The angles didn't fully do it justice. Oh. Didn't fully do it justice, the run that he took. Mm-hmm. And then the, the calmness to just kind of take it down on your chest and just keep it perfectly in stride. And then just such a cool finish as well. I, I have to say, I was very impressed. Uh, and a bit scared. He does. <laughs> he just looks quite chilled about it as well. Yeah. Like he, he had a certain puffed, you know, chest puffed out bravado about him with a, you know, in his celebrations and just his general play. He looked... He looked like he stepped onto the pitch and thought, "Yeah, I fancy this. I've waited a while for this start. Let's let's get in about it, kind of thing." So, for a young man who he, d- I mean, he does have that kind of European, Scandinavian kind of confidence, yeah, like yeah. real, real it's, kind of confidence. It's almost it's almost like ambivalence. Like it's yeah. almost like shrug your shoulders and go, oh, "Of course, I'm going to score. What else would I do?" Like, which does make you kind of wonder why. Hibs have been talking about him as if he was some sort of scalded kitten that needs to be, you know, <laughs> gradually, <laughs> gradually kind of introduced into Scottish football as if it were their garden. You know, it's, it's, I find that a bit strange because that's, I mean, maybe they've just timed it perfectly and this was the right time to start him, but I was kind of watching thinking, Christ, where have you been hiding this guy? <laughs> We've not been scoring at all. <laughs> yeah. We've not been on the pit. Well, this like, guy's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you're limping to a nil-nil against St. Johnston, <laughs> why is this guy no, no starting? So... Uh, there was a slight element of that, but nevertheless, as I say, you know, judging by the impact, maybe they've timed it perfectly. Maybe mm. that's just when he was. He had, he had come off a full season, which exactly. seems to be like the kind of chat that because Muller was the same, even though Muller did have more of a break uh, beforehand. Oh, oh, we'll get on to Muller. Yeah, yeah, sure, we will. Um, but did, like you <laughs> see there coming from a Hibs fan's point of view, like the difference John Yule made, yeah, to us being able for the style that he wants to play, having a player because. I don't want to get in a kicking Josh Campbell. I was going to say though, you're getting very close to not being. A, you're getting very close to not having to pick Josh Campbell yeah, well, anymore. Nearly there, because um, obviously Josh Campbell, just the way his body shape always is, means that he can never turn with the ball. And if you're playing a three-four-three where you're meant to pass through the lines, that's exactly what he says. And that is the worst type of player to have. He can't turn. He can't drive the ball. So he ends up, regardless, just passing it back. He looks scared to get on the ball and. I don't. I just. I don't. I think he's been asked to do something way above his his ability. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to play. He always off the ball. He's he's good. He, he harries. He can see. He enjoys that side. But when you're playing with two guys in centre midfield, pass through. They both need to be able to pick up the ball. And they both need to be able to turn. And Neil made a, such a massive difference in that. And for him to go and just give ninety minutes straight away, um, just shows what Hibs have been missing. And I think you. Everyone's love of Junior raised a lot in the time that he wasn't on the pitch because he hasn't always got the appreciation maybe that he deserves. There was uh, Hibbs. So Motherwell pulled the goal back. The goal kind of comes from nowhere. Motherwell did have some chances. Well, they had a great chance at nil nil. No, no, I. Um, and they, I mean, maybe on another day they, they could have pushed this at least to extra time. But Motherwell get the goal back. Kind of comes from nowhere. Robert Shaw is just kind of poked in or just kind of diverted in the back of it by Joe Efford. In the second half, Motherwell, I never really thought Motherwell looked like scoring, but Hibs were quite flat in the second period. Knackered. Yeah. They looked like out on their feet, Hibs, which... You can understand from Melkerson, like, mm-hmm. if he's leading the line, but the subs really didn't help at all. Um, Chris Mueller came on, 
<laughs> absolutely nothing uh, and it was taken off again and went in half and went up the tunnel which is just so great for something with such a positive mindset to then do that in public it's just like uh, that let's... was that, that was a hoot <laughs> was... little, little old joke for you <laughs> <laughs> bit, bit, bit of fun <laughs> Hang on, it's the name of the show. <laughs> it was a hoot, but no. That, uh, to be honest, I do get, I do get his frustration. I think he'll be so desperate to make an impact. Mm. Everyone knows that he's a marquee signing. The club were giving it big licks for months about him, and he will, as much as he appears to be a kind of. Um, walking positive mindset uh, video like oh, he's a book he, he's, he's yeah. like a book he he will he will, um, he, he, be he will <laughs> feel that pressure he will feel that need to do well so you could see that frustration sort of boiling over but I'm, I'm sure he'll have a I'm sure he'll have a positive Instagram it wasn't post. just him though like Scott Allen came off the bench and contributed nothing really surely more and more people will accept that Scott Allen's Maybe not completely finished, but can't be relied on to play a match. He is like commander. The game just zooms zooms around him. He doesn't even have the best curtain haircut anymore. anymore exactly. I mean, how heartbreaking is that? <laughs> he must be looking at Mel Carson's thinking, oh, come on, I had one thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously, Alan used to be able to, uh, he was never quick, but he used to have such good acceleration. Yeah. So he'd drive past a player and that would open the game up for him and would give him it would give him more opportunities to play those defensive splitting passes. Now the only way he gets opportunities is if the ball's played to him in the correct area yeah. to his feet. So that makes his sort of uses tiny now in the whole team. So it's only if we're probably chasing a win that he can be or chasing a result where the team's going to be sitting back and he'll get time and space to turn because the team's playing a, a lower block. That's about the long and short of the usages of Scott Allen, for Hibs anyway now. Is there anything to be said about Motherwell? Because it's just hard to really kind of go kind of deep dive into them and their performance when they're the man sent off. Literally, I'm pretty sure Willie Collin flashed the card right on one minute. <laughs> I think it's a bit unfair because they've, they've taken a kick in for a while now and they actually done all right. Yeah. They came back in it. They were confident enough to, to really push for the result. You could tell it was a cup game for, for them and they knew they could go all it. But like, Hibs... They sat in, and I'm not sure I was a big fan of that. I don't really understand why. They could really got a morale-boosting sort of couple of goals, mm. and like, more. But I don't think it's good to criticise Motherwell at all from that, and there'll be plenty more to criticise him with, I'm assuming, over the <laughs> over the coming weeks. But I did... Another thing, just the Ryan Porteous appreciation. Uh, I did like... M- Megan vibes. I loved that. I loved that. <laughs> no, please. Uh, I loved, I loved the reaction when they got a man down. I think that's what you do. Every other team ah, do yeah, all the time. I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's exactly what you do. You crowd the ref, you force it to make a decision. Um, people do it to him. I think every... The teams oh, definitely. Uh, Any time Porteous puts in a big tackle, everybody's surrounded the ref uh, and want him off because of his reputation as well. So I think it's fine. And to see like how good... His stats recently for like the last 10 games are outrageous. He's like the best player in the park, pretty much. In terms of like pass completion, amount of passes, amount of touches... Winning duels, so everything you could possibly be in a centre half, he's doing it. And right now, the way Hibs are playing, he's basically there himself because we play Cadden's playing right centre back, but he basically bombs right up the wing. Uh, and then Stevenson and Doig are linking up down the left, so he gets left alone. I mean, if you look at Wisekate, you see his average position, it's just him alone. And that, I've checked it's the last four weeks, just standing alone in the middle of the defence, dealing with everything. And Cadden gets to go away up the right hand side. Uh, and that's not just with my eyes, that's what Scout says. We pay for that, so it better be right. <laughs> he's in tremendous form as well, yeah. and the one thing that the knock on Porteous has always been the mistakes he makes, and he's, when was the last time he actually made a, an error? Um, the cup semi-final against Rangers. That, that's what I think, anyway. I'm sure someone will be able to come down. But the Sure to be on is a, a flash uh, as soon yeah. as he hears this. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's the last one I remember, when he made the poor clearance when it was 3-0 to Hibs and it made it 3-1 in our field score. That's the one that sticks out in my head this last time. That was clearly his mistake. Uh, if we could uh, deliver again at Hamden, please, that would be good. <laughs> Although not the same result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. Consolation. No! <laughs> Right, uh, let's move on to let's move on to the game on Sunday. Rangers defeating Dundee three 0 uh, The final two games we're going to talk about both three 0 for the old firm, both fairly eh. routine. Is the word you're R- looking routine for? is definitely the word we're looking for. Alan, I, I, this is this is only three of the games I didn't see. Uh, I've not seen any of it. I'm not even seen the highlights. So uh, Rangers Dundee talked a bit about it. It was a complete non-event of a football match. <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest, and that's 
That's to take nothing away from Rangers. Their fans won't see it as a non-event of a game. They'll have absolutely lapped up. It was a comfortable victory in a stadium in which they outnumbered the home fans by around 4-1 to one and had a, a fine old Sunday. But it was just... You kind of look at a quarterfinal like that and you look at the league table and you go... We've seen this a million times when Rangers or Celtic come to town. You're able to just park the league form and pack out the stadium and go, do you know what? This is the chance to put our league woes behind us and create a proper raucous atmosphere and get to a cup semi-final, get to a cup final, whatever stage it may be. And there was none of that. It was (laughs) so flat. The fans... Fans voted with their feet, £30 a ticket, and the current climate was just too much to stomach for them. It's our understanding that Dundee made very little attempt, unlike Dundee United, for example, who managed to get it down to 27 Dundee made very little attempt to negotiate it down um, because they were so confident the Rangers would sell out their allocation. Um, and I can't blame Dundee fans for not paying that price to watch this team, especially when the hierarchy... The decisions they've made recently and the results that have occurred on the pitch have given them very little reason for Mm. belief, positivity to get behind this team. Why would you put your hand in your pocket and come to a match that you think you'll lose when when really you don't feel connected to the club? And I really don't think many Dundee fans feel connected to their club right now. There is the worst thing. There isn't. There isn't anger. There isn't. No. There isn't kind of any kind of kind of out outpouring of any sort of I was going to say grief but you know what I mean there isn't really that it's there isn't even happiness it's the worst thing for any football club apathy see when the third goal went in like we've all been to loads of games and it's usually the third goal when it goes in that creates all the booze yeah. that's when everybody stands up and goes oh fuck yes and slams their chairs storms out that's when you see people heading to the exit and there's, there's uh, that's always the goal that prompts that sort of thing it's just nothing just complete complete apathy. Um, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself because Dundee are only a point off of eleventh, and they could. I mean, things change in football very quickly. But even if they stay up, the issues are bigger. I, I, and yeah, it also as well. Like St. Johnson are shite. Like there's no two ways about it. There's two rubbish teams at the bottom of the table. But it says a lot of just how just directionless and just rudderless that, that Dundee seem at the moment. That everybody's including, I think, a lot of their support, are already writing them in as being relegated, despite the fact they're only one point away from a team who's not any good themselves. And then there's a lot of shit teams in the championship they could play in the playoff. Yeah. So you think you would be, but they all seem to be completely accepting that they're going down in one way or the other. Absolutely nobody thinks that James McPake was a perfect football manager. No. However, he was a manager that had just strung together a couple of wins. He'd got them to a cup quarterfinal, which he deserved the chance to take, you would have thought. And... So while uh, nobody's going to argue that he was uh, definitely the answer and perhaps a change was needed, this change is preposterous <laughs> and has well seemingly unless there's a quick uh, unless there's a turnaround. So uh, that's that's the problem. Is you're not telling me that there would have been that apathy and that lack of interest if James McPake had been in charge of that Dundee team. He would at least whipped up a bit of a frenzy. He would have at least you know had the supporters thinking. One thing, Matty will go out there and battle for every second ball, and I'll they'll send I'll send them out there believing they've got a chance. That's what James McDavid does. He's a motivator, and the players like him. He's he's the players' guy. He's a players' coach. Um, whereas I, I I didn't see any fight about Dundee, and Rangers played well, but I, they could have won six or seven nil. And they get into third and year, and right? Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> They didn't play as well as they needed to. They they could have scored a right few goals in the second half, having taken off Morelos. So it's it was just a dreadful afternoon, and, and one of those sort of dreadful afternoons on every conceivable level. And it, Nelms was John Nelms wasn't even there, the managing director. He wouldn't. Have, I'm told that he had a a business meeting. There's suggestions that it was a, a Macron meeting in Rome with the sponsors. So I get that. However, you're not telling me that if this had been a sem, a semi final at Hamden or mm-hmm. something like that that they couldn't have rearranged that meeting. Uh, he was at the rugby the previous day, watching... <laughs> he was away on a jolly, basically. Uh, watch, <laughs> I certainly can't say that, but you can. Okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I shall. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, he was... And being at the Olympico for Italy against Scotland, and then regardless of if you had a meeting on the Sunday, then not being at that game on Sunday, when fans want somebody to hold accountable for this mess, it's a terrible look. The optics are dire. <laughs> really are, really are. Uh, what a laugh! Yeah. <laughs> oh, but Rangers were good. <laughs> <laughs> Dundee man, they give, they always gives. 
<laughs> just that. I've, I've said it on here one billion times. Pound for pound, the worst team in sports, Scotland. Yep. Oh, the fans. I think the fans would probably agree with you <laughs> yeah, at this point. <laughs> it, just, it just looks so tiring. And that's coming for someone who's been through a fair whack with their own club. It just it looks so... There's no joy. E- even, <laughs> even when they're given like a little bit of hope, like uh, when it was announced that, that James was leaving, you, you saw their fans going, oh, it's got to be Jack Ross. They wouldn't uh, have done it if they didn't have Jack Ross yeah. lined up. And you've got people saying, oh, you know, uh, hashtag announce Jack Ross. <laughs> and then it's Mark McGee. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going, if this, like, oh, if that was deliberate... Piss, it, yeah, yeah, if that was deliberate, you'd think it was funny like most people when that link broke thought it was a joke and listen if you know quite clearly Mark McGee is a far more competent person involved in football than I could ever dream to be so let's not be silly however is he the right man based on the last 15 years for this job Uh, the argument suggests no and the current evidence suggests no well the current evidence certainly suggests no I didn't think it was too bad I thought it was maybe a bit of an overreaction to start with because he'd almost become a figure of fun since the last time he left Motherwell but I did think that the last time he came into Motherwell he he gave them a boost to begin with and he could give a similar boost to Dundee what I really I think maybe underestimated was the six game ban because what I kind of usually think is that I usually think that touchline bans for managers aren't that big a deal normally but what they're not a big deal normally for is players who are used to you being in the dressing room. And even if you're not there, the fact mm. that you're at the game, there probably is still a presence to be felt mm. that you're used to them being there, they're used to what they would say in the dressing room, you're used to them being on the sidelines. So the fact that they're in the stands instead, you're aware of what they're normally like and you maybe have a bit of fear or a bit of respect through that. Dundee players have never had their dressing room with, James, uh, with um, Mark McGee. Because they've only had the training pitch. He's never been in there before a game. He's never been in there at half time. It'd be funny if he found it. Is it not maybe the other guy that does most of the coaching as well? Right, so maybe they don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's like, it doesn't make any... Cause that's because that, that was my thought on it. I, don't, I forget the guy's name, but he's been brought in. He's meant to be the, the sort of more hands-on training ground guy. Simon uh, Rusk. Simon Rusk, thank you. And uh, Mark McGee's the figurehead. What I read was he was the figurehead because people in Scotland know him. Like, we need to know every single person that comes in. <laughs> it's a, it's, well, oh, I suppose. May as well, 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 well give the job to Chick Young if uh, that's what you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, it was, it, but I watched a bit of the game. I was in a pub, so I wasn't paying, like, able to pay close attention. But I just felt like when I was watching, it was getting cleared off the six yard line or the goal line every time I looked yeah, up. For the, I mean, for the opener, Lee Ashcroft clears it off the goal line with an overhead kick. And then Ryan Sweeney clears two off the goal line. And Jordan McGee cleared another one off the goal line. It was absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. When you, as I say, when you think that Rangers didn't play particularly well but it's a really it's actually a really good point that, that Craig makes I'm sure our, you know your listeners are sufficiently knowledgeable that they'll know that a touchline ban is a lot more impactful than just can't be in the dugout for 90 minutes mm-hmm. you know there are issues you can't be in the tunnel area for 15 minutes before or after the match So, and you certainly can't be anywhere near anything at half time so I mean it really is interesting they have had for that you know half an hour either side of the game and throughout the entire game They've had no sense of Martin McGee as a manager. So when you talk about how important motivation is within football, they have had absolutely no motivation from Mark McGee whatsoever. So it'll be interesting if there's any difference in that regard in terms of tempo, intensity. Does he create a fear factor um, this Sunday? If, you know, Touchwood, he's, he's okay in terms of the COVID. He mm-hmm. did get a positive COVID test and although we're having a bit of fun, you know, hopefully he's, he's fine and he's able to take his place in the dugout. But it'll be interesting if, uh, you know, if there is any difference in terms of the that. The problem for Nelms, though, if, even if that that happens, that sh- which is a positive for Dundee, it makes the decision look worse. <laughs> <laughs> because it actually shows that the six-match ban really did have an impact. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a, it's a lose-lose if you're the decision-makers at, at Dundee. I like the fact that when they, when they came out, he came out and, and John Nelms sort of said, we'll find a way around it in a sort of chin-strokey way, as if, you know, they had some sort of master plan. Nothing was ever said more about it. It's like, they're just using the phone, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> just, you, you meant the phone. It's not Jose Mourinho in the, in the, in the, in the towels rack. Thing, <laughs> All of a sudden, there's just a bush beside the Dundee yeah, okay. It's like, what's that doing there? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, sort of like the Simpsons choking his shin, going, hmm, the phone. <laughs> Mark McGee always turns up. Why is he wearing a camouflage suit? It doesn't really suit him. <laughs> Uh, that one interesting tactical thing is this this thing that Glenn Kamara plays further forward. I noticed this in a in in one of the European games that he was getting forward a lot more, and I think I saw it in there, and I see it on Y Scout there because he played Sands and he played Jack. So this is obviously something 
they're quite deliberately thinking of. Kamara was looking like he was falling a wee bit out of favour. Um, under Van Bronckhorst, he wasn't even playing in like the Dortmund games, which I would think would be the prime t- game for, for Glenn Kamara's sort of close control and ability to take the ball under pressure. But uh, that's quite interesting thing to see that they're, they're trying to do there. He was quite good at kind of poking and prodding and finding holes in the defence. But to mm. be fair, all of Rangers midfield did that. Mm-hmm. Aaron Ramsey, and I know there's this tendency to get carried away because he's box office, but Aaron Ramsey was excellent. Um, his pass to James Tavernier for the opening goal was delightful. You know, there's not many people that see that pass can, and let alone can execute it. And yeah, and Ryan That's Jack. great for Tavernier right there. Like, yeah. if, if you're gonna, we spoke about this. Sorry to interrupt you, Alan. I, I apologise. We spoke about this before about Rangers playing this more... Kent was sort of tugging the touchline more. I think it was against Hearts, Fowler. Um, Kent was t- hugging the touchline more and he was going down like like a wide player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was maybe Arfield was playing in off the right and we were talking about that could maybe really suit Ramsey. And with a player like Tavenier getting yeah. forward, them two, Tavenier being the guy that gets to come up with that Lincoln, sounds smart. Really. It's something you notice with James Tavenier. He was almost playing as, I guess although they weren't playing wing-backs, it was almost like he was an inside-out wing-back. Mm. You know, he was he was that far up the pitch and he was always looking to cut inside. And what the, the problem that gives you is you're coming inside into an incredibly congested area of the pitch, albeit as a dangerous area of the pitch. However, if you have people like Aaron Ramsey who can thread that eye-of-the-needle pass through the defence and you've got an extra body like James Tavenier in that area, then it's absolute manna from heaven. And that Rangers midfield was just really well balanced and, and Ryan Jack getting back up to speed and I, it's just I mean Dundee were just blown away despite the fact that Rangers didn't even have to be at their best and it's heartening the amount of support that James Sands received from the Rangers fans who chanted his surname often during the game that was uh, really really quite something right let's move on to the final match which took place on Monday night Celtic defeated Dundee United 3-0 and a lot of people were kind of expecting this to be a really good game United with the exception of the game against Celtic funnily enough earlier in the campaign of being quite competitive against the the old firm so far this season but they weren't really in this one the kind of Callum McGregor's early goal killed a lot of the I think the kind of home beliefs and also they were pish because they really had nothing in attack that's the frustrating thing from a Dundee United aspect I think I have no real problem with the way they set up or the way they sought to stay in the game because it has worked for them previously against good sides however if you are going to be um I wouldn't say they were sitting back and being defensive because, you know, they were trying to get in Celtic's faces. But if you're going to make your number one priority not to concede goals, you cannot concede a goal like that first one. Mm -hmm. And I know there's been a lot made about Benjamin Segrist's error for the second one. But for me, that first goal is is the one to get done by a short corner like that is absolutely criminal at top level football. Uh, Genuinely, I could not believe it when I saw that Callum McGregor was on his own in the edge of the box. It's one of those goals that you, you do a double take and you think, right, Who's fucked up there? Like, who who's completely sold the jerseys and forgot about them? Because whether it's the manager or whether it's a player that's switched off, or somebody has massively screwed up that that is allowed to happen. And once that happens, it's uphill for Dundee United because they simply don't have the personnel to change a game and to attack a team like Celtic. They don't have Tony Watt. And they've got Mark McNulty and Nicky Clark who are without you know wanting to uh, minimise mm. their individual attributes are mm. are kinda samey to each other. Yeah, yeah. And so what <laughs> that you, was the kindest way <laughs> well, you're very good at this, Alan. Whereas <laughs> and they don't have a, someone like a you know, Max Biamu was supposed to be their plan B, for example. So and he's I'm not sure he ever existed. Like I'm starting to think I'm starting to think he might have just been a figment of all of our imaginations. Um the know, Mandela effect. Yeah. I definitely signed him, did they not? <laughs> So, and even even look beyond that, you know, Peter Paul had been absent. He's somebody that can break the lines from mm. midfield. And then and they lost Harks during the game. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. So, I'm I'm actually not. It's very easy to look at a three 0 defeat and say, oh, "Manager should have done that. Manager should have done that." Most other things that Tam Courts could have done probably would have also led to defeat, and <laughs> would have led to defeat in such a way that I wouldn't have ever saw how it could have been otherwise. Whereas this one, I looked at and I thought, "See if you just didn't concede the first two incredibly foolish." Silly, silly goals. Then the game plan might have worked. You can hang in there. You Absolutely. can get a set piece. Blah, blah, blah. Earlier in the season, I got stick off of Dundee United fans on Twitter because I said that them being in fourth place as they were at the time uh, with the squad that they have was a, a tremendous job from from Tam Courts. Dundee United fans took exception to that. It's like I was denigrating the squad. 
I was. It's not a good squad. And I think it's been proven over the course of the season, especially going forward. They just have very, very little. I mean, Mark McNulty, he's had games this season where he's he's played all right and he, he's kind of put himself put himself about. And he's, this is Mark McNulty you're talking about. The damn and faint praise. He's, is, he's caused problems for defenders, but they can't, he can't get away from the fact that he scored one goal all he's, season. He's like two weeks ago. He's, yeah. an, he's an instinctive nine, though. Like, that's the... Like, he's an instinctive number nine. So, so it's a terrible team to play for. What, like, what exactly... Like, if, if we're going to... It's so easy to give strikers stick based on, you know, having crap goal-scoring stats, which and quite an obvious thing to do, obviously. But it, it's... It's an incredibly difficult thing to do when you've got no support. Like, what? At what point? At what point yesterday? Uh, sorry, what point on Monday was Mark McNulty supposed to score a goal? Yeah. Well, like, what, what? What was he supposed to do better? And for everyone that's criticising, like, if if Tony Watt had played, granted Dundee United might have played in a slightly different way, but let's say the game had played out identically, Tony Watt's not doing any better. Mm. Like, well, that? he can maybe create something for himself, but that's because Tony Watt's a kid of. A better kind of player. Tony totally Watt is a level above these other we, guys, we, right? We've, yeah, but he'd still be kind of trying to carry a team on his own. still be a tough shift. Yeah, I've, I've spoken about this since the day Mark McNulty came in. I do not like Mark McNulty. I don't think he's a particularly great player, but he has some really good attributes in terms of when I watched Hebs, he was very good at playing on the shoulder. Yep. He loved playing in between the posts, so his movement would be across the box. So I said when he signed for Dundee United, I do not see how it's going to work when you don't have a number 10. And often have, so that's he wants a guy to slick slide passes through. He wants people to do that. If you don't have that, I actually think McNulty, you, you're basically got, just got to get, against this laziness that people do, Mark McNulty's a name, go and get him and put him into your squad. But if you don't have the players around him that suit his ability, then you're pointless because he's only a player with a, a few attributes. And he's maybe carrying a bit of weight in terms of his confidence from last season as well, where for a lot of it, he was stuck out in the right wing. I, so I just I just think it's been a terrible move for, for both. I think, and also in terms of the Dundee United squad, it does look thin right now. It does look Ooh. shallow. And they certainly haven't been helped by the fact, obviously, you've got Tony Watt out, discussed Max Biamu, that's been a, a disastrous signing. Paulette is a key one. Niskasin's very inconsistent. Charlie McGrew was, you know, not fit yesterday. That's another big player. I think they do have a, they have a passable eleven there, a mm-hmm. passable top six eleven, and this is the, you know, second season back. So you know, if they can hold on to the players that are doing well and add to that, and they do need some inspiration in the final third, and there's absolutely no doubt that they will know that. Like, they really need to add this a bit. It's kind of a surprise that last of it seem to be going for quality over quantity, mm-hmm. but. They're maybe not getting some of those quality right. Because, like, Nicky Clark's another example. I quite like Nicky Clark as a top-flight player. But Nicky Clark is a is a Ross County player. Mm. He's, he's not a Dundee United player. If, if Dundee United want to be a top-six team, he's not a top-six forward for me. To go on to Celtic, I would say you see the difference when they put O'Reilly, Hatati and McGregor together. The, the, the speed of movement, the speed of thought, how quick the ball's getting moved... You see, like, they, they were the guys that played against Rangers, for example, when they, yeah. they absolutely blew them away. And you can see it because all three of them are happy to drive with the ball. All three of them, they're basically all box-to-box midfielders, but with loads of quality. So, like, it's just the ideal... Like, them three playing together, they can all just take turns going forward and then they all they can lend the ball to each other. And McGregor just looked unreal again last night. I was going to say, it's not, it's, it's not exactly a hot take, but I thought Calvary was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Like, just see when he's on it like that and in a, in a smothered, hard-fought central midfield area, he just bursts through challenges. He makes tackles. And he's got such a... You know, a technical ability at the end of it that I don't think he gets enough credit for. Mm. Because see when a see when a player has so much intensity about his game, I don't think we always appreciate the the, the end product at the end of it and just how difficult it is after these bursting runs or after <laughs> yeah. these sliding tackles to do the right thing with the ball after it. I just yeah, I think there's there's uh, occasions where we can dis because you do get. You know, you get tempted to praise the new signings. You get tempted to, you know, O'Reilly or Hatate. Whereas, does sometimes does help to remind yourself, damn, good Cal- yeah. he is good. Calvin Craig is really good, <laughs> and it's and it's really fun. He, he, I think if Celtic win the league, he's probably top for, for player of the year. Um, yeah, hi, it's a shot. But he's it's just and it's what I really like about Cal McGregor is that he's bounced back. He had some downtime both playing for Celtic and especially for Scotland. Well, the Neil Lennon effect. Yeah, yeah, but, that, but he's managed to to rise above that straight away and he's got back to his best 
instantly. And he's like, they're being like the minute it was like not going well, not going well. Oh, now he's brilliant for Scotland. Nobody would ever question about him not playing again when there was plenty voices questioning it. And now he's just he's the main man for Celtic, just oozing quality and can just do absolutely everything. Do you think he's going to keep wearing the mask? Do you think it's going to be like a Peter Check thing? Because I've noticed it's, it's been a while now, like to, <laughs> to the point where you're thinking. Do, you st- do we still need the mask? Like, so well, I'm wondering, if, he, I wonder why? if he's going for it. Like, just that—that that could be his thing, sort of for good for branding. Why you know? is he wearing the mask? What's it? Is his it face caved in, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> no, a like, couple, couple of doctors over here. <laughs> I didn't know if it was his nose or his cheekbones or that because um, there was there was a basketball player, uh, Rip Hamilton, who wore a mask for the rest of his career because if he suffered another nose injury, it could have like had serious problems for him. So I wonder whether it's something like that. If he gets the same sort of injury, then he might have to Do wear the mask. Sponsored or... like Peter Checks was an Adidas skull cap, wasn't it for a while? Absolutely, M- Macron. <laughs> Joma, <laughs> Phantom of the Macron. Castor, it just rubbish, just falls <laughs> apart. Bits get up his nose, but it costs, but it costs eighteen grand. <laughs> Right, uh, let's uh, before we finish, let's quickly talk about the semi-finals. Great funny. No, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Too much neutral. It's too much anxiety. I mean, the stress of having as a as a Hibs fan, especially to have two derbies in a week where one might be to get in the top six and maybe get into European football, and then another one a semi-final at Hampden. That's anxiety. It's fun for me. Uh, you, yeah. you two look absolutely terrified. It's great. <laughs> Honestly, listeners, they, they're not good enough actors for this. This is real terror. The more, the more, I wish I could just like take on what's happened in the past and use it to be confident because I'd be much happier if I was. But every time we do this against Hibs at Hampton, I'm just more scared the next time that the law of averages is going to come back to bite us. <laughs> well, that's your entire mind though, law <laughs> of averages. Well, I remember we started doing this podcast maybe about 10 years ago and you brought up the law of averages then and it's never ever left you. It's something I see you say every couple of weeks. There's obviously loads more you say, man. That's always told me. Never goes away. Never goes away. And I can now see as this. Sorry. There's a debilitating effect on you. Speaking of debilitating your voice. So let's pretend that it isn't an occasion. Let's pretend it isn't this sort of fearful, you know, afternoon of terror. If it's just a football match. Who's feeling the most confident at the moment, still, and why? You would have to, you would have to back Hearts, wouldn't you? Because they're in better form at the moment. I mean, things could change in the next three games, but Hearts are in better form at the moment. Uh, they, they kind of seem to have got over their, their kind of worst point of the season, so that's kind of good. It feels like they've picked, really kind of got some momentum again behind them. I think they've kind of figured out their best team. The injuries are a concern. I think it has to be said. Uh, if Suter and, and Devlin, well, Suter in particular, if he's not fit, if Mikey Smith's not fit. I think Devlin, as long as neither Harry or Benny get injured, I don't think that's a, a huge problem. But you kind of want those defenders back because especially if Hibs are now... If Hibs find some form in front of goal now, then that would definitely be a concern. And Because uh, seems to have, we've seemed to have closed the door defensively. We're not yeah. conceding a lot of goals. And obviously Hibs had huge injury problems. I mean, we were running a bit with... And Hibs' defence is going to get better as well because Hanlon's going to be back quite Hanlon, soon. Hanlon, Harry Clark's due back after... He, you think he, I, I could see him making that game. Yeah. Uh, Harry Clark, so you have Hanlon, Harry Clark and Porteous, which suddenly makes so much sense in the style that Maloney wants to play. You'd have Newell. And, and, and like I was saying about the Hearts fullbacks being a concern earlier, if it's if it's Halliday and Atkinson against Doig and Cadden, then I'm a bit... I mean, I know that Hearts managed yes, to keep a, as well. I know that Hearts managed to keep a clean sheet in the derby against them, but it wasn't... Uh, they still didn't look too, too clever down mm. either wing. So if it's Mikey Smith and, and Kingsley, I feel a lot better about things. But yeah, so injuries yeah, going to play a big part. Injuries, because both teams have been, I mean, you had five, the subs came off against Dundee United. Hibs <laughs> well, have been running about with, said, 11 players out really quite soon after sort of bringing in all these new players. So, And there's still a, the good thing for Hibs, there's still a bit of time for Maloney to get more, get the team better and better. And it does seem to be improving, very slowly, but it does seem to be improving. Um, so maybe there is some hope, and then we've got this this anomaly of the game just being like a week before um, that just adds such a like oh, right. So now people are going to get ideas and what our team's going to do before it. It adds such a a, ment- a mental part of the game for it. And then you can say that the, the extra narrative as well is that Hearts win, and then you get Hearts versus Celtic Park three. Law of averages, <laughs> <laughs> or you get Hibs versus Rangers on the twenty first of May. Oh, oh, oh my. 
It's an interesting one for Robbie Nielsen as well. That it definitely is. Because the, the spectre of losing to Hibs on Hibs' way to finally ending the hoodoo does loom large over Robbie Nielsen. And I've, I've, I mean, I've said a few times on this and, and elsewhere, I find the uh, antipathy for Robbie Nielsen from some Hearts fans completely inexplicable. I yep. think he basically, in his time at Hearts, as manager, he has basically lived in third place in the top flight. And this notion of he's taking us as far as he can. He's taking you as far as anybody can. Mm. Yes. Like, look, no, at Aber- look at Aberdeen. Look at like, the Aberdeen fans who said McInnes would take them as far as he as he went. And yeah. I'm not saying that Aberdeen should have kept McInnes, but this was always likely to happen. That so, they were going to go backwards before they go forward. So, yes, Robbie Nielsen has taken you as far as he can. Like, he's taking you as far as anybody can domestically. And winning cups are are transient. Like you, you can't guarantee winning cups. It's not something to judge a performance of a manager on, really. Particularly in a country that where Rangers and Celtic play. Nevertheless, having said all that, what if you lose if titles he, to St Johnston instead of St Johnston only? <laughs> <laughs> if he again loses to Hibs and lets them have a crack at the, the Scottish Cup final, there will be that band of people that aren't into Robbie yeah. Nielsen and they will be loud and they will be vociferous and it won't matter that, Hib- that Hearts finish third. It's, yeah, it'll uh, turn toxic. It's it remarkable. Because Hibs could uh, then ru- ruin Hearts' season. That yeah. is something Hibs, because if Hibs win the Cup, that guaranteed group stage football that Hearts have suddenly would go to Hibs and despite Hibs being absolutely rubbish, that would send... Some Hearts fans to the stratosphere, like oh yeah, and it would be huge for Hibs as well with Gordon's investment and stuff like that aye. to get into that kind of level. Uh, we'd probably and, and, invest more off the back of it. Yeah, well, yeah. So. so I mean, there's it's it's this this cup this season has always been huge because of the sort of riches at the end with the relative riches for us for our standards. Yes, yeah, sure. at the end, and not just the riches, it's experiences for fans. Suddenly, it's not just because now you, you you end up people go to these away these away European games because they're just desperate to go and they go and to it, any. And they kind of get a choice t- of going to go at some. Touch like, wood at the tail end of the pandemic as well, where travels opening up again and, and like yeah. having been starved of it you for a couple of years. Eight, you've got eight guaranteed like away, like sort of four or five guaranteed away days yeah. in Europe, and you can pick and choose them. Well, you can't afford to go to them all, but well, go. To that one I'll go to that one that's what we're starved of that in Scottish football as fans you're like addicted to the football you go all the time but this sort of like being able to go to a European away games is just so rare mm-hmm. and, and and this is the, the opportunity for that to, to sort of change so what about the other semi-final what oh, do we hear <laughs> who's, who's that one <laughs> uh, two teams who meet each other often in semis and finals so yeah boring but no it should be uh, the thing is as well it's hard to kind of talk about that because there is the other derby ahead of it which is going to Massive. be which is going to be much more of a contest than the Hearts-Hibs game is yeah mm-hmm. likely um, it probably still matters more that league game probably still matters more than oh, that yeah, semi-final because the title is still there to be uh, won for either side and you it just could be very interesting in that game to see what adjustment Rangers make to the team that um that was basically taken apart by Celtic. We'll be seeing Barisic as the, the first, the, fir- <laughs> the first bit of surgery. Yeah, it's a, Rangers have a beyond a point to prove after that because the first, that first twenty minutes, uh, twenty five minutes against Celtic in the last derby was as poor as I've seen either side taken apart in a, a derby and for the first kind of first say quarter of a game that I can recall off the top of my head it was just men against boys it was one team playing at a completely different tempo a completely different pace to the other team and yeah it was utterly woeful so Rangers really need to step up prove that they can cope with that intensity which is the hardest thing about playing Celtic when Celtic are on their game I've, I've spent you know, a lot of years watching teams in Scotland and I think there's been better teams than Ange Postacoglu's Celtic side however I'm not sure I've ever seen teams that approach the opening 25 minutes of football matches with the same breathless intensity that they do uh, and that's what Rangers need to deal with the Hearts the heart team under Burley was kind of similar to that that's a great comparison the amount of early goals they scored and Hearts the, only won one game that season where they didn't score in the first half mm-hmm. or they weren't leading at half time and it is such a hard thing to defend against because any football player will tell you like sometimes you do need to feel your way into a game and see if however you've done it whether it's a thing you've done in the dressing room, whether it's thing you work on tactically, more likely on the, tr- on the training pitch. See if you can cultivate a team which is able to just not need to settle into a game, just explode from the blocks. Any team you play against will struggle against that because most footballers need to get a, a wee feel for things, need mm-hmm. to get a wee feel for the vibe of the game and and, where, and their place within it. Celtic don't seem to need that and it's, it's an impressive quality they've got, even although I do still think you can get at them. Every time I watch Celtic, I think... 
there are because of the nature of their pressing and their all action style, I think see every time an attack breaks down, I think well, see if you freeze it right there. Zip, zip, zip. Mm. That's how you cut that team open. Mm-hmm. Whether there's many teams in Scotland that are able to do that, I think we saw, for example, in Europe that there's teams that are able to yes. do that. It's So there are ways, there have been better, more balanced teams than the Celtic team. But um, in terms of, you know, bloody hard teams to play against in the first half hour of a game, that I've not seen many, many better in my time. Right, that'll do us. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to hear more from us, Alan's beat for the Courier is Wraith Rovers and Dunfermline, two very interesting teams in the Scottish Championship. So we're going to do a couple of podcasts. There'll be one that'll be going up as part of the £2 tier and there'll be another that'll be going out later this week as the £5 tier. So make sure that you listen to both of those. That is patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. Tony, say goodbye. Goodbye. Alan, say goodbye. Goodbye. And from me, Craig Fowler, goodbye. And we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.